Greetings, everyone, and welcome to What Exit Jersey Stories. I'm your host, Nick Franco, and uh, with technical issues today is uh, is, is our friend uh, <laughs> Pete Riario. Are, are you there, Pete? Okay, I, I, hopefully Pete will be rejoining us. But pop in. With us today is uh, engineer extraordinaire and and, uh, and and musician you have to check out. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, Chris? Ah, yes. My name is Chris Mad Jr. Uh, I am the guitarist of Serious Matters. I happen to be one of the beautiful engineers here at a shared universe, um, and I am so glad to be here today. I'm so thankful to be on your show. Excellent. Glad to have you here today. And um, now. Before today, were you familiar with today's subject? So before today, I had some uh, mild understanding that quite possibly something had happened, but earlier in the century. Uh, you know, I also know that there's a place called Shark River Hills. I don't know if it's related, but... Uh, that I'm not sure. Right? But I do know today starts Shark Fest on uh, Nat Geo. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. And uh, did you see the um, yet yesterday in the news what happened at LBI? No, what happened? Okay, yesterday at LBI, sharks attacked and devoured a dolphin at Brant Beach on LBI. Whoa! Yeah, the the researchers. Uh, you know, after the attack, they looked for remnants of the dolphin along the shore so they could maybe tell by the bite marks what type of sharks were, were feeding there. There were no remnants to be found. The the, the sharks uh, tore the dolphin apart clean. Wow, that's unbelievable. And uh, I, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Poor dolphin. I know. Unfortunately, you know, th th this is nature and this is what happens in yeah. nature. And it's, it's also a, a warning to, uh, to anyone. If you're in the water and you happen to be around a wounded dolphin, you may want to move away from the wounded dolphin. I, I, I believe me, I'm an animal lover. But knowing this, that they are the prey actually for sharks. Wounded dolphins are one of the common preys for sharks. Um, you might not want to be in that spot. Yeah, it's kind of like keeping your uh, hands near the food bowl of a dog who's very hungry. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good way to put it. So I, I understand I have very much compassion for wounded animals, but at the same mm. time, if they're in the water and we happen to be sharing that water with their predator, uh, I'm going to uh, – I'll Correct. Yeah, yeah, you can always bring attention to, you know – to that, you know, th there may be others that might be able to help, but yeah, if you just like kind of stay in the water and say, like, oh, I'll stay with you, Mr. Dolphin, <laughs> you, you, you both may not be staying around much longer. <laughs> you'll, you'll be a delightful snack. Exactly. But, but shark attacks themselves don't, don't happen very often when you think about the statistics. It's a rare occurrence. Don't you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than being attacked by a shark? You are correct. That is actually scientifically a fact. And, scientifically speaking. Yeah, and worldwide, on average, about 80 shark attacks happen yearly. And 
Most of them happen in the western shores of Australia. Really? Yeah. You know what? I'm surprised because the shark isn't the deadliest thing on the western shores of Australia. No, Australia has a lot of uh, (laughs) deadly deadly things out there. Yeah, if if you ever watched uh, Steve Irwin and uh, the Crocodile Hunter, yeah, there's a lot of uh, deadly things out uh, Australia. Can you tell a thing or two about deadly animals in Australia. Exactly, but yeah, about eighty uh, shark attacks on average happen uh, yearly. Since 1975, only six shark attacks have uh, occurred in Jersey. None of them fatal, uh, and oh. that's according to the Shark Institute. And no shark attack has occurred in Jersey since November 2013. Uh, there was a, a, a bodyboard surfer, Quinn Gates, mm-hmm. and a uh, little chance encounter he had in uh, Bayhead. Um, he took a bite out of uh, his swim fin after mistaking it probably for like a seal or something. A seal or something, yeah. Exactly. Uh, again, some of the sharks common prey. and But Gates was unharmed. But that was the last shark attack in this part of the uh this part of the country that's unbelievable want to take a guess at the last fatal shark attack in jersey i'm gonna say like 1942 it was actually before that the last fatal shark attack in jersey was august 18th 1926 1926 so we're almost going on 100 years since the last fatal shark attack in New Jersey. So, again, that gives you the, you know, the rarity of something like this. Yeah. And th- th- that particular attack was uh, Charles Burke was swimming in Seaside and was attacked oh, by wow. a, a large shark. Um, they didn't say which type, but uh, he later died from his wounds. Oh, my God. But in Jersey, since 1900... There have been 25 unprovoked attacks. 20 of them were non-fatal. Only five were actually fatal. But as we're about to talk about, four of them happened in two weeks in 1916. Two weeks? Yes. Four attacks. A shark festival, a shark convention. Everyone brought their shark ties and happened to show up. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll we'll see exactly what happened and and try to uh, you know d- d- disseminate the, uh, the the information and try to make some heads or tails or or, or dorsal fin of all of this uh, info. Yeah. What are the chances in two weeks? That yeah. <laughs> Much more rarer than getting uh, hit by uh, lightning. That's probably like the the chance of uh, encountering ball lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's probably about how rare that is. (laughs) And for all those uh, who who don't know what ball lightning is, look it up. (laughs) Yeah, we have the internet. Come on, guys. But before 1916... Scientists actually thought that sharks were actually pretty benign. They actually believed sharks to be like just large, unintelligent fish with big teeth, but not an actual predatory animal when uh, matched against 
humans. Uh, okay. Ma- ma- marine biologists actually even believe sharks wouldn't even come close to humans, at least not in like the northern waters, like you know of, of the U.S. here. Mm-hmm. So let's get to 1916, and as all crazy stories on this podcast happen. It was an unbearably hot summer in 1916. These hot summers in New Jersey. Always. Always. When you have an incredibly hot summer in Jersey, things might be bad. (laughs) I think you can almost set your watch to it. If it's a hot day like today, it was over 100. Yep. Something's uh, going to be fishy. No pun intended. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, and, and and remember, 1916, this was before air conditioning. So what what did people do to cool down in those days? But, hey, let's go to the shore and take a swim in the ocean. Escape to the beach. Perfect. Exactly. Also going on in 1916, and again, mirroring uh, our, our times nowadays, there was a polio epidemic. Oh, People traveling to the beaches in droves to seek relief from <laughs> from what was going on and healing and, you know, maybe some sort of restoration. Why kick them while they're down? Well, yeah, I, I, I got you, but yeah, n- n- nature doesn't see it that way. True. Now, warm weather. You know what that also warms up? The ocean? Yes, it does. The warm weather also made for very warm waters at the time, which scientists believe actually attracted the sharks to northern waters to hunt. Okay. And thus begins what is known as the 12 Days of Terror. We're going to start our, our, our uh, story on July 1st, 1916, when Charles Epting Van Sant who was a 25-year-old from Philadelphia, arrived in Beach Haven, New Jersey, uh, with his father, mother, and two sisters. Uh, are you familiar with Beach Haven, Chris? Beach Haven, is that on the uh, so- southern shore on that island part? Not LBI, but the one after it. There's a small island. Uh, it's, it's not an island, obviously. It's more like a peninsula. Well, t- technically, I believe it is part of Long Beach Island. Okay, okay. So is it one of the is it the North Shore or the South Shore maybe? That part I'm not sure. I I, I didn't bring a map up, but um, but it but it is definitely considered part of okay. Long Beach Island. Okay. And and at that time, um, as we were actually discussing actually on our last uh, episode, uh, the Jersey Shore was known for as the, the the resort area. So Beach Haven was one of these resort towns of of the Jersey Shore. Truly one of these ultimate getaways to come to bring your family. Exactly. Now, uh, Mr. Van Zandt and his family, they were there for Independence Day weekend. And um, that evening, decided to uh, take a late day swim. You know, like basically around sundown. Okay, okay. So I'm, it's it's in the summer, you know, around Independence Day. I'm going to say it's it's going to be like 830 845, right? Right. Thereabouts, yeah. Uh, He was about chest deep in the water when he actually started calling out to on the shore, there was actually a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. 
you know, a dog that was that was playing. And, you know, Mr. Van Zandt was, you know, signaling the dog to come in the water, you know, come play. Oh. Apparently, at the same time, some witnesses there, there were many at that time because, again, the sun was starting to, you know, set. Mm-hmm. Um, some witnesses said that they saw a dark shape in the water near Mr. Van Zandt and tried to warn him, but he was busy trying to call the dog to come in. Suddenly, he was not calling out to the dog, but screaming in terror as a shark was biting him in the legs. Um, A lifeguard uh, named Alexander Ott, who was actually one of uh, his friends, and a bystander, Sheridan Taylor, they basically formed a human chain to pull him out of the water. According to both of them, the shark actually followed Van Zandt until its belly was scraping the bottom of the shore. Oh, my so, God. So it almost came out of the water. It, it, it basically got to where you know, its belly was hitting the sand. It was determined. Oh, I, I think, I think we're, 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 we're in a shark attack area. Or, or, or is this peace? If anyone can hear me, that is. We can hear you, Pete. I can hear you. Oh, very good. <laughs> Continue this this this, this uh, harrowing story, please. Yes. Well, we're we're here, Pete, uh, talking about July first, nineteen sixteen, and Mr. Charles Van Zant, who uh, decided to take a swim at sundown, right. and was suddenly attacked by a shark. Um. I may go on. Oh no no what, what's that, Pete? No, I, I may even know. I think some of like the uh, details of this story, having read it. Hmm. Well, but I want to hear them. Go on. <laughs> uh, although the shark was close to the shore, no one could guess what its true size was because, again, it was also sundown and a guy was being attacked. So the top priority was getting him out of the water. So when when they finally pulled him out, he was missing one leg and most of another. Oof. Oh, so oh, it was man. a pretty gruesome scene. Um, the, um, what's his name? Ott. Uh, immediately uh, applied a tourniquet, mm-hmm. and Van Zandt's father, who was an ENT, and a nearby medical student, brought him, uh, uh, brought Charles into the Engelside Hotel to try to treat him. But unfortunately, at 6:45, Charles Van Zandt wound up bleeding to death on the manager's desk of the Engelside Hotel, victim of the first shark attack. Now, with something like this, you would think this would have been a big headline. What? Want to guess what happened? No. What was it buried under polio? Well, that's a good guess. The story in the New York Times um, was on page eighteen, and stated that man dies after attack by fish. What an understatement. <laughs> Yeah, but by just, yeah, fish. fish. Yes, Abe, Abe Vigoda was attacking this man. <laughs> I'm sorry, a, 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 a little uh, before your time there, Chris, but uh, <laughs> but I think it might be on Me TV nowadays. I uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boy, boy, boys and girls, uh, look up Barney Miller. <laughs> now, uh, although people were shocked 
other local papers tried to basically keep the headline quiet about this attack as it was Independence Day weekend, which was a big money maker for the New Jersey Shore and you the resorts there. That panic? <laughs> That's and, a great uh, way to make people panic. Yeah, just a little bit. And, and they thought a shark attack might scare people away. Does uh, uh, Chris and Pete, does any of this sound familiar? Okay. Uh, it's, it's ringing a bell. Um, but I think I need to get more info before uh, I guess the, you know, guess the whole idea. Yeah. Well, needless to say, resorts stayed open after the attack. And the hotels by Beach Haven on LBI put up safety netting around around 300 feet from the shore just in case. Proactive. Okay. I get yeah, it. Pro- proactive. But here's the problem. Sharks swim, and they don't just stay in one place. And, and, and this one didn't decide to stay in Beach Haven. He, he basically eat and ran. He did a, a dine and dash, if you will? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, at this time, sea captains were also reporting large sharks around the ports of Newark and New York City. But this was also dismissed. Come on, guys. They're out there in the water all the time. <laughs> well, you know, again, business, business must go on. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, fast forward, but not too fast. Let, let's go to July 6th, 1916. Okay, so we're five days. Uh, yeah, five days in the future. Five days in the future. When a, a bellhop at the Essex and Sussex Hotel in Spring Lake, which is... Another resort town about 45, 45 miles north of Beach Haven. Uh, this bellhop decided to take a lunch break and have a swim. What a good idea. Oh, P- Pete, are you back? I am. Ah, excellent. Perfect. We're, we're on to the, to the second story where Charles Bruder, a 27-year-old Swiss immigrant and bell captain at the Essex and Sussex Hotel, Decided to take a swim at lunchtime. Mm. Now, Br- Bruder was very fit and decided to actually swim out much farther than, you know, the, the rest of the patrons of the hotel. About, they uh, estimate about 130 yards or so. When suddenly, he screamed in terror as he was suddenly attacked. Now, this one gets gruesome as... Uh-oh. Some witnesses say they saw Bruder's body, now missing part of his legs, flung into the air. Oh. The water around him turned crimson red. Whoa. And the shark swam past him and then came right back. You know, uh, directly at Bruder. Now, two two lifeguards were alerted. Uh, Their names were Chris Anderson and George White. They quickly rode out to Bruder in a lifeboat and pulled him in realizing that hey he's been attacked by a shark um, not only had he been attacked by a shark but the shark had ripped off the bottom portion of his legs and had bit him in the abdomen oh my god Jesus yeah he never even got back to shore when he went into shock and died Now, 
this attack versus the first attack was different. Now, the, the first attack, Pete, just to, to let you know, was at sundown. When, when did I say this attack was? Middle of the day. Middle of the day. Hundreds of witnesses saw right, the group which is attack. when they tell you not to go swimming. Yeah. With, when there are sharks around. Yeah. Huh. So hundreds of witnesses saw this and oh, panicked man. drunk. Wow. That's trauma. Yeah. Traumatizing. What, what, what's that, Pete? That's traumatizing. Oh, traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say. <laughs> still. News quickly traveled up and down the Jersey Shore to get out of the water. Major American newspapers such as Boston Herald, Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Washington Post, even the San Francisco Chronicle placed the story on the front page. And this time, the New York Times headline read, Shark Kills Bather Off Jersey Beach. It was not man dies uh, attacked by fish. This had uh, scientists in a bit of a quandary because, you know, they, they, they had a news conference following the second attack because they, they couldn't believe that a shark could be responsible for these attacks, especially just a few days apart. Um, in northern waters? Yeah, in northern waters. At this time that, of year? Impossible. That, that's really strange. Don't you think so, too, Pete? Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, I, th I thought the shark got you for a second. Well, you know, the, the, the scientists and medical doctors held a news conference, and John Treadwell Nichols, assistant curator of the Department of Recent Fishes at the American Museum of Natural History, examined the body, uh, examined the body of Charles Bruder and concluded that it was probably an orca or killer whale that must have been responsible for the attack. And other scientists also stressed that another attack was not likely because sharks just simply don't attack people. True. They thought it was benign. Why would this one, you know. Exactly. And, and, and scientists did everything in their power to de-emphasize the threat that sharks posed to humans. <laughs> huh, that, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at, at this press conference, people speculated that the attacks were maybe killer mackerels, large sea turtles, or maybe th 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 these things, these attacks were actually German U-boats. Yes, a German U-boat took a bite out of a man's legs. World War One is getting heated. Exactly. The hysteria surrounding World War One was growing at the time. The U-boats came in, and they got all the sharks deployed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Deploy the sharks! <laughs> well, at, uh, yeah, like, during this conference, Dr. William J. Schaufler, one of New Jersey's most respected medical doctors at the time, was the one lone voice of reason. He actually stated that there's not the slightest doubt that a man-eating shark inflicted these injuries. But, unfortunately, what he said fell upon many deaf ears. Now, as, as I was talking about those uh, sea captains seeing lots of sharks, 
Well, shark sightings increased along the okay. coast from all the way up in Connecticut all the way down to Florida. Lots of sharks. Sharks. Local New Jersey governments actually made efforts to protect the bathers and the economy from man-eating sharks. In fact, at the 4th Avenue Beach at Asbury Park, they even enclosed it in a steel wire mesh fence and patrolled the area by armed motorboats. Wow. Do they have like a machine gun mounted on top of the boats? Uh, well, I, they didn't say what, what, what type of arms they were using, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm guessing shotguns. <laughs> like when, when we're dealing with 16. Yeah, I don't think you'd have a machine gun yet, right? I think that's just coming into play. That might be too high tech. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a few years. It's my history. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the sharks were emplo- employing the machine guns at the time. <laughs> they had freaking laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead. Just six more days. And this is where things get strange. Guys, it's been 11 days. Please right. stop the humanity. Yes, yes, stop the madness. But instead, let's go north another 25 miles. But let's go inland about 11 miles. Let's inland from the ocean. We're going to go to Matawan. <gasps> now, the hump. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That, that, you know, we're we're, get, we're getting uh, cl- closer to you, you uh, your area over there, aren't aren't we, Chris? Yeah, next you're gonna say Long Branch, and I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna go. Let's go. There we go. Mm. <laughs> well, for the, for those not familiar, please look at a map and see that Matawan is not next to the ocean. Yeah, it is a little bit inland, but um, there was a fisherman name is named of uh, Thomas Cottrell, who was in his boat when he saw a large form swim under the town's bridge. And now Mr. Cottrell actually heard about the recent shark attacks and decided to run into town and warn everyone that he saw it had to have been an eight-foot shark swimming in the Matawan Creek. Now, um, the Matawan Creek, that's that's not the ocean. That's not salt water. (laughs) <laughs> well, because of that, no one believed him because a shark that big couldn't go that far inland from the ocean and, you know, especially in non-salted water. But unfortunately, at that same time, 11-year-old Lester Stilwell waded into said creek with some no. of his friends nearby. No. Oh. Yeah. Soon, the water started churning and the turned blood red. And the other boys ran out and ran into town for help. Um, most everyone in town came down to the creek, but they could not find Lester. Although, most would also believe that this was not the result of a shark attack. Hmm? We're, we're, in the, we're in the Matawan Creek. Shark attacks don't happen, and especially don't happen in the Matawan Creek. Some people even thought that the boys might be pulling a prank. (laughs) Pete, you remember the prank when we, you know, 
when we told them a, a shark was uh, swimming in the uh, Maywood pool, right? Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, it scared the Jesus out of the entire, uh, you know, uh, pool <laughs> facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That prank killed. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, this, this <laughs> literally <prank did> too. <laughs> As 24-year-old Watson Stanley Fisher, a local tailor, swam out into the creek to look for Lester. Uh, he came back to the shore and, and seemed to lose his footing. People weren't sure also if he was possibly holding Lester's body when, when he lost his footing. Either way, the residents of Matawan guessed what happened next. A large dark shape slammed into Fisher on his right and pulled him under. Hmm. Now, different from the other attacks, because now you got to think, a creek, it, it, it is more shallow water. You know, you're not swimming in, you know, out far in the ocean. So Fisher actually tried to fight back, trying to beat his attacker with his fists. And a rowboat actually came over and started hitting the shark with one of its own oars until the shark actually gave up Fisher. When he was pulled out, the flesh and muscle from his uh, thigh were missing. Oh, all that, oh man. Remained, all that remained was bone. That's gross. Exactly. Um, yes. He, now, Fisher was taken by train to Mammoth Memorial Hospital in Long Branch. Funny you should men- mention Long Branch. That's like five stops for me. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but mm. unfortunately, two hours later, Fisher succumbed to his wounds. Wow. Now, a half hour after Fisher's attack, Joseph Dunn was swimming downstream in Matawan Creek. He, he was within a few feet of actually the dock ladder when he started to feel something pulling on his leg. Well, Dunn's brother and, and another friend started having a tug of war. Unfortunately, Dunn was the rope. Oh, no. But Dunn's brother and the friend oh, wow. successfully won the tug of war with the shark and helped pull him out of the water. His leg was bleeding, but as opposed to the other attacks, no major arteries had been cut. Hmm. So, as opposed to the other four attacks, Dunn survived. Wow. The, the hysteria really hit fever pitch, though, once the maimed body of Lester Stilwell was found two days later off what they call the Wyckoff Dock. Matawan residents lined Matawan Creek with nets and actually detonated dynamite in an attempt to catch and kill the shark. The, the mayor at the time, Aris B. Henderson, actually ordered um, the Matawan Journal to print wanted posters. So, can you imagine wanted posters of a shark? Well, okay, so since the Wild West hadn't ended yet, would they put the little 10 gallon <laughs> hat on, a little evil mustache? It probably still looks <laughs> the same. Wanted, dead or alive. Yes. Shark this, this, shark. 
Yes, this desperado. Uh, <laughs> this rootin' tootin' shark. <laughs> and they offered a $100 reward, which is about $2,300 probably in current dollars, to anyone who killed a shark in Matawan Creek. That's so cool. <laughs> but despite everyone's efforts, no sharks were captured or killed in Matawan Creek. But resort communities along the Jersey Shore petitioned the federal government to aid local efforts to protect the beaches and hunt down these sharks. The House of Representatives appropriated $5,000, which comes out to about $120,000 in current, uh, for eradicating the New Jersey shark threat. And even President Woodrow Wilson scheduled a meeting with his cabinet to discuss the fatal attacks. Yeah, what turned out to be a, uh, a nice, a quiet uh, Independence Day weekend, and basically a couple of weeks after, in in New, at the Jersey Shore, turned into mass hysteria. The, they they even suggested that the Coast Guard be mobilized to patrol the Jersey Shore and protect the sunbathers. Shark hunts ensued across the coast of New Jersey and New York. And the governor at the time of New Jersey, Governor James Fairman Fielder, uh, yeah, Fielder, and local municipalities offered bounties to individuals hunting sharks. Yes, not birds, but sharks. <laughs> it just came back on, so it's still warm in here, but... Oh, we, 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 we're joined by someone else. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Pete, Pete no, are you somewhere else on. now? I think Pete doesn't realize he's, he's still on. <laughs> I don't believe so. Do you want me to get the hook? I got the hook. Oh, no, he, he just oh. disconnected. <laughs> oh, perfect. He got the hook, too. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who else got the hook? Hundreds of sharks were captured on the East Coast as a result of the shark hunt. And this shark hunt has been described as the largest scale animal hunt in history. Wow. Now, scientists started theorizing what type of shark perpetuated these attacks. And what, was it multiple sharks? Or there was another theory going around about one rogue shark that basically lost his way and you know, found himself uh, in the waters of uh, Jersey and into the Matawan Creek. Now, going back to Beachhaven, witnesses... You know, estimated that that shark or, you know, what, when they saw what was happening, they, they, they estimated about nine feet long. And several fishermen claimed to have caught the Jersey man-eater in the days following the attacks. Now, when you say Jersey man-eater, how, how big – do we have a visual representation, if you will, to show uh, the people at home? We, we, we may. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Now, on July 14th near Long Branch, a blue shark was captured. Come on, and, Nick. And, and four days later, 
that same fisherman, Thomas Cottrell, who had seen the shark in Matawan Creek, came to have, uh, claimed to have captured a sandbar shark with a gillnet near the mouth of the creek. But none of these could really be the Jersey man-eater. But on July 14th, a Harlem taxidermist and Barnum and Bailey lion tamer named Michael Schlesinger, uh, uh, yes, no, Slicer. Oh, okay. Caught a seven foot, five foot, 7.5 foot, 325 pound great white shark fishing in Raritan Bay, only a few miles from the mouth of Matawan Creek. How big this what, what, what's that? How big was that? I'm sorry. I need you to run that back real quick. It was seven and a half foot long, 325 pounds. In the Raritan Bay. In the Raritan Bay. Wow. And and think of not only in the Raritan Bay, but again, you know, a, full, a few miles from the mouth of Matawan Creek. So something that big getting into the Matawan Creek is just unfathomable. So, sorry, uh, water humor. Um, the, the, this shark nearly sank Schleiser's boat before he killed it with a broken oar. Now, he did something that some of the others didn't do. He opened the shark's belly. And when he did so, he removed a suspiciously fleshy material and bones that took up, took up about two-thirds of a milk crate and weighed about 15 pounds. <gasps> Scientists identified the shark, again, as a young great white and identified the remains as human. Lester... They later identified this shark to be the Jersey man-eater. Oh, man. Now, Schleiser mounted the shark and placed it on display in the window of a Manhattan shop on Broadway. But unfortunately, it was later lost. But there is a surviving photograph that did appear in the Bronx Home News. Chris, would you do the honors? How do and, you lose that ginormous shark? Yeah. That thing is... I don't... It's indescribable. Yeah. Right now. Well, yeah, that ginormous thing, which was a young great white, was, you know, swimming around Raritan Bay, around the creek. But over a century later, there actually is no consensus among researchers over the event in over this investigation and the findings that this shark was truly the one responsible for all the attacks. But what happened once the shark was caught was no further shark attacks were reported at the Jersey Shore. But some scientists thought that it, it, it couldn't have been a great white that attacked. What they thought it was that maybe made these attacks was a bull shark. Because now here's the thing about bull sharks. 
They're known to swim from the ocean into freshwater rivers and streams and have attacked people all around the world. Interesting. But now, let's go back to the other part of the argument. It, it had to be in the Great White because it was demonstrated at the time of the Matawana uh, Creek attacks. The full moon coincided with these attacks, which would have raised the uh, salinity in the water by more than double a few hours before high tide. Oh. This would support oh. the theory a great white, a great white, could have actually been responsible. That's a pretty good counter argument, right there. Yeah, but but still, they they still to this day have not, you know, concluded that yeah, that was definitely the one that did all five attacks. Yeah, which and we probably will never know. No, but. You have to think, before 1916, a lot of American scholars doubted that sharks would fatally wound a living person in the temperate waters of the northeastern United States without provocation. And some questioned even whether a shark as large as even 30 feet could even snap a human bone. After the Jersey Shore attacks... Scientists were compelled to revise their assumptions that sharks were timid and powerless. And at the end of 1916, scientists such as John Nichols, who we spoke of earlier, and Robert Murphy were taking the Great White more seriously. They concluded it's evident that even a re relatively small white shark weighing two or three hundred pounds might readily snap the largest human bones by a jerk of its body after it's bitten through the flesh. Wow. So, the Jersey Shore attacks by what's known as the Matawan Maneater really reshaped scientists and the rest of our perceptions on sharks as being these benign little fishes swimming in the ocean and that even though it's very rare, a shark can attack a man, and it can be fatal. So, so, so now we're going to get to 1974. Let's fast forward a bit. When a writer by the name of Peter Benchley published his novel, Jaws, a novel about a rogue great white shark that terrorizes the fictional mid-Atlantic coastal community of Amity Island. Ah, yes. yes. Not to be confused with Amityville. Nope, not Amityville. That, no yeah, relation. That, that was a different horror. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the ch chief of police, Martin Brody, biologist Matt Hooper, and fisherman Quint hunt the shark after it kills four people. Huh. Sound sound kind of familiar? <laughs> well. Uh, no, no, it doesn't sound familiar, Pete. Steven Spielberg. Yes. Yes, the mm -hmm. novel was adapted as the film Jaws by Steven Absolutely. Spielberg. Absolutely. Yep. 
<laughs> read the book, saw the movie. And well, it would have been strange if you actually read read the movie and saw the book. But um, mm. Spielberg's film actually makes reference to the events of 1916. Do you remember this? Uh, you, you guys have both seen Jaws, I'm sure, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you remember when Brody and Hooper urged Mayor Vaughn to close the beaches on the 4th of July after yeah. the death of two swimmers and a fisherman? Hmm. And, and, and Hooper even explains to the mayor, look, the situation that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island, and he's going to continue to feed here as long as there's food in the water. <laughs> Brody also added... And there's no limit to w what he's going to do. I mean, we've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside a week. And it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach, 1916. Five people chewed up on the surf. Wow. Wow. Nice. Uh, Thanks for the nod. Reference there, yeah. Yep. And many people actually suggest that the 1916 Jersey Shore attacks... The rogue shark theory, and also the exploits the exploits of New York fisherman and monster hunter Frank Mundus, who caught a giant great white uh, off the uh, off the shores of uh, Montauk. Oh, ooh! Inspired mm -hmm. Benchley to write the novel Jaws. Now, there's some also good books on uh, the incident as well. Uh, Richard G. Furnicola uh, wrote In Search of the Jersey Maneater and 12 Days of Terror, while uh, Michael Capuzzo wrote the novel Close to Shore. There've also been, uh, there was a novel, uh, a dramatization uh, on, I think it was Discovery Channel, of the 12 Days of Terror. Thanks, Shark Week. Yeah. Shark Week. <laughs> so, yeah, th these events that happened over two weeks at the New Jersey Shore, as I said, reshaped our our uh, relationship between man and shark. Uh, ga gave us some cool pop culture, and ma made scientists a, a little more curious about sharks, and. Us as well. And now we have things like Shark Week or, as I said at the beginning, today starts Shark Fest on National Geographic. Mm -hmm. So no relation. <laughs> no relation. Yes. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I have a, a fun game for us to play. And what we're going to do today is we're going to play. Jersey, not Jersey. Jaws edition. Oh, where? Uh, cue the music. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, copyright issues. Yes, yes. Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, come on, cue the orchestra. No, but um, mm. what? Th this this one is going to be a little different. We're we're gonna go through some of the cast and crew of the movie Jaws. And we're, we're going to determine whether they were born or grew up and lived in New Jersey. So not just born. That Little little catch on this one. It's leeway. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's let's start. We we'll, we'll we'll put of course the obvious one, Quint, on the side because Quint was born in in, in England. So yeah, yeah. We we don't yeah, speak particularly with that uh, type of accent in uh, in New Jersey. Neither Maybe north nor southern. Yeah. <laughs> Old Jersey, most definitely. That, that's oh, old Jersey, yes. The early colonies, Jersey, yeah. Yes. No, no, no. What he's talking about is uh, the old Iowa Jersey, Jersey. What we're named after. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. <laughs> let, let, let's start our thing. Let, let's start with uh, Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus. What was Mr. Dreyfus, Mr. Hooper? Born or lived in New Jersey? I'm going to say lived in New Jersey. I'm going to say Richard Dreyfus lived in New Jersey. Unfortunately, you know what? I might have thrown you guys off. Not everyone was born or lived in New Jersey. Because Richard Bry- Richard Dreyfus, Richard though, was, was born in Brooklyn. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> I thought he at least, like, you know, I don't know, had a cottage somewhere in uh, Long Branch. Oh, you never know. But, yeah, um, yeah for, from all accounts that I saw, that he was not born in, nor did he live in Jersey. Okay. Okay. Let, let's go on to the next cast member. Sheriff Martin Brody. Roy Scheider. Was Sheriff Brody born in or lived in Jersey? I'm, I'll weigh in first. I say Roy Scheider was born in New Jersey. I'm going to say he wasn't. Okay. And the answer is Roy Scheider was born in Orange, New Jersey. Yay. In fact, Roy Scheider was an amateur boxer in New Jersey and posted an 8 1 record in his amateur uh, days. Wow. So before Orange, getting to the <laughs> Instead of th- th- throwing hooks at sharks, he was th- throwing hooks at uh, his opponent. So, <laughs> I-, I ordered orange chicken tonight for dinner. So, wow, what a coincidence! Yeah, Orange, New Jersey. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Never mind. Go on. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> You're like what is he talking Wait, about? Wait, where's the he- connection? <laughs> he forgot his meds again before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's go to Sheriff Brody's wife. Ellen Brody, played by Lorraine Gary. Hmm. Jersey or not Jersey? I'm going to say this one is Jersey. I say she lived in New Jersey. Again, not everyone. She was born in Forest Hills, Queens, New York. Gosh darn it. The New Yorkers. It's killing me. Killing me. (laughs) I can't tell the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let, 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 let's let's take a trips around uh, Amity and let, let, let's go to the mayor. Okay. Mary, 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 mayor Vaughn, Mayor, mayor Larry Vaughn, played by mm-hmm. Murray Hamilton. Jersey or not Jersey? Hmm. I'm going to say not Jersey. And I bet you I'm wrong, but that doesn't matter. I was going to say Jersey, so. Is, is that what you're going with, Chris? Yeah. Well, on this one, Pete, you're right again. Um, Murray Hamilton was born in actually Washington, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, 
do do we all remember Ben Gardner, the fisherman who started the shark posse, whose boat was attacked? Yes. And Matt Hooper found his severed head. Mm-hmm. Did that sever head of Craig Kinsbury? Is is, is that head Jersey or not Jersey? <laughs> Organically grown in Jersey. Um, yes. I'm gonna have to say yes. <laughs> I okay. say yes as well. And born in New Jersey. You are both right. He was born in South Orange, New Jersey. There you go. In fact, Craig Kingsbury actually taught actor Robert Shaw, Quince to all of us, um, how to act like an old sea dog. Wow. Oh. As, as he was familiar with, with uh, that, as uh, he actually had moved up to. Massachusetts, and um, along, I believe, the shore area, and uh, was, was familiar with the, uh, listening to the old sea dogs themselves. Nice. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the sheriff's office. Deputy Hendricks, Deputy Jeff Hendricks, played by Jeffrey Kramer. Jersey or not Jersey? Jersey. I say not Jersey. Well, Again, remember, there's there's a catch in this one. He was not born in New Jersey. He was born in New York, but he grew up and graduated in the town next to me in Teaneck, New Jersey. Very nice. Um, let, let let's go on to our director, Mr. Spielberg. Jersey or not Jersey? Not Jersey. Yeah, I say not Jersey. And you are both wrong. What? Born in, born in Cincinnati, Ohio, but he did live part of his early childhood in Hatton Township, New Jersey. Wow. <laughs> that <I can> know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that. Okay. More trivia. Huh. Uh, next, we're going off to Robert A. Matty Jr. Do any of you know who Matt Robert A. Matty Jr. is? Hmm. I don't believe so. I don't think so either. He was in Jaws, huh? Well, I said cast or crew. He's part of the crew. Bruce. He created Bruce. He's the special effects designer who built Bruce, mechanical shark. Mm -hmm. He also built the mechanized squid in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Really? Look look him up. He's got a pretty cool resume. (laughs) Nice. Huh? Was he? Jersey or not Jersey? All right, I'm going Jersey. I'm going to go not Jersey on this one. And Mr. Matty, maker of Bruce, was born in New Jersey. But what do you know? His his bios do not say what town he's from. Oh, okay. It's kind of strange. And I looked all over, but I could not find what town in Jersey Robert A. Matty Jr was born interesting and we're gonna wrap this one up with peter benchley writer of jaws and appeared in the movie as one of the news reporters on the beach i love those kind of cameos jersey or not jersey boy that's a good one jersey i'm but there's a part of me that thinks, because I read uh, Peter Benchley's book, several of them, but that um, 
he's from New Jersey, but I'm going to say no, that he's not. And Pete, you should have gone with your gut. Damn it. Although he was born in New York City. Okay. Lived he, lived, <laughs> he lived for a while in Pennington, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Where he wrote the novel Jaws in an office in a rented room above a furnace oh. company. Now, I, I, I will also note that he, he, he wrote it in Pennington, New Jersey, and also Stonington, Connecticut, because his wife's family had a farm up there. So part of Jaws was written in New Jersey. And Mr. Benchley, unfortunately, died in 2006 in Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I know he died, yeah, uh, whatever, in the last decade or so, uh, yeah. Yeah, 2006. Now, the strange thing is, one one approach, you know, Peter Benchley said that the 1916 attacks were not the inspiration for the novel Jaws, but we went through some of these events, <laughs> and they're a little coincidental. <laughs> that sounds like a hard sell to me. <laughs> mm, yeah. Right? <laughs> Rogue Great White Shark <laughs> terrorizing Beach Town. <laughs> hmm. You're already living in New Jersey, too. Word gets around real fast. Exactly. So, Mr. Benchley, you might have fooled some of them, but yeah, I, th I think we're on to you here. <laughs> I see you there, Mr. Benchley. But uh, I've I wanted to thank uh, Chris Mad, our, our our guest and and engineer for for this uh, yes. episode. Thank you, Chris. Uh, for, thank for, you, guys. For our talk about the Madawan Man Eater, and you know, for all those interested in this, you know, there there's lots of material out there on the 1916 attacks. As I said, I gave you a few books. There there was a uh, dramatization. The two events, and then the dramatization that mm -hmm. the full book, right? Yeah. Yeah, and as I said, yeah, pick up a uh, a copy of Jaws and just think of the coincidences that mm -hmm. we talked about in this in this story about the four people that died yep. from a rogue great white shark attack. <laughs> so it's such a great book, too. By the way, like I, I when I read it, I don't think I could put it down. I mean, it was one of those you can just tear right through. Oh, I might have to check it out then. I've never read the novel, actually. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Now, now how, did you ever read uh, any of his uh, following novels, like like The Deep or any of those? I uh, read Beast, which was, uh, I think that was the octopus one, if I'm not mistaken, that he wrote. Okay. I don't know if you know that one by him. No, no, yeah. no I'm not familiar with that one, but I, I, I know he did you know, write a few uh, uh, big ones there. Yep. And, and The Deep was also turned into a uh, motion picture as well. Yeah, it was. Jacqueline Bissett, I believe. I believe so. Right, yeah. And, and, and I, I couldn't remember earlier when the, when the scientists were uh, theorizing about that they thought that the at attacks were from an actual killer whale or orca. Who was who the uh, actress that uh, had the leg uh, bitten in uh, orca? Oh, my God. I can't, I can't remember. Can't I can't remember either. My, my mind went blank. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to Google it. I can't. Yeah, I won't I Google. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. After the show, I'll uh, I'll Google it. But yes. But anyway, 
Chris, thank you, sir, for joining us on uh, our pod today. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. So, so, Pete, sorry you, you had a lot of uh, tech uh, problems today. I, I know you, you're dealing with actual a power outage by you. Yes, it came back, though, as you see. But, uh, you know, uh, it, at least I managed to make, uh, you know, the game, which is uh, <laughs> always the highlight of uh, our shows, right? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got to wrangle you in. Yeah, me too. Exactly. Next time, uh, we'll be fine. We, we, we went on a Pete hunt. Yeah, that's right. We needed a bigger boat. <laughs> like so, searching for Pokemon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Yes. Next time, we're, we're going to have to spend more time because <laughs> we're going to need a bigger podcast. But anyway. Nice. Nice. Nice, Quint. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Anyway, for What Exit, Jersey Stories, I've been Nick Franco. I'm Pete Riario. And I'm Chris Matt. Thank you so much, guys. Thank Thank you, you, everyone. Be safe. Be safe. Have a great night. Bye-bye. See ya.